So hello and welcome to In Conversation With, the Lancet HIV's podcast. I'm Philippa Harris, the Deputy Editor, and joining us this month, the Lee Min Jang from the Hanoi Medical University in Vietnam and Todd Corthis from the Oregon Health and Science University in the USA. Their paper, included in the February issue of the journal, described the results of the trial comparing HIV clinic-based buprenorphine with naloxone treatment for opioid use disorder with referral for methadone maintenance therapy in Vietnam. So the February issue has lots of other interesting content, but in particular, I wanted to highlight a pair of studies from the HOPE and DREAM trials, which were looking at the safety and adherence of depivirine vaginal rings for pre-exposure prophylaxis in women. So please um, check those out as well. And now let's speak to Lee Min and Todd. So thank you both for joining me today. Thank um, you. Your study was conducted in Vietnam. So I was wondering if you could start by giving us an overview of the HIV epidemic in the country and more specifically among those with opioid use disorder. So Vietnam is a country in Southeast Asia uh, with a population of about 93 million. Currently, the estimate number of people living with HIV in the country is in the range of uh, 200,000 to 300,000, and uh, about 60% of, of which uh, have had history of, of entering certain drug use, uh, especially uh, opioid and heroin in particular. So the... Um, uh, as you can see, that the uh, injection drug use, especially heroin, has uh, driven the epidemic in the countries in the past uh, three decades. And uh, among the um, the prevalence of the HIV among people who inject drug have uh, gone down substantially over the past uh, decade or so, uh, from about 30 percent in early 19 uh, in 1990s to about currently about the level of 12%. Um, and thanks to the efforts that I, I will describe uh, later on. Um, so basically, the um, uh, we have about 250,000 people, estimate people who inject drug in 2016, according to the estimate by UNHCR. Um, so the uh, number of people who need treatment, both in terms of opioid um, disorders, uh, use disorders and HIV are substantial. And what's the current situation and um, with the treatment of opioid use disorders? Uh, before 2008, the only uh, option for treatment was the compulsory uh, detoxification, and people who um, have opioid use disorder were required to uh, attend compulsory detoxification in the range uh, during a period from six months to even two years. Uh, that was before 2008. Uh, and in 2008, uh, methadone maintenance uh, treatment was introduced in the country. Uh, and since then, the um, program has been expanded to now uh, all over the country with the more than 50, almost 55,000 patients on treatment uh, in more than 300 clinics. Uh, most recently, uh, in 2016, when our study was uh, implemented, uh, that was the first time when buprenorphine were introduced in, in Vietnam uh, in the context of a study. But uh, very recently, buprenorphine have been approved by the government as the uh, second option uh, for in, in addition to methadone maintenance treatment. And uh, buprenorphine now have uh, reached about uh, 2,000 uh, patient in the countries, and we are very happy for that um, decision of the government, which the, our study also contributed to making that decision uh, possible. 
it's great to see the science um, kind of having having a, a positive impact like that. And I mean, are there, are there barriers for people accessing opioid use um, disorder treatment? Is are there kind of is it easy to access the treatment? What is the um, uh, is it is it compulsory uh, compulsory and, and are there eligibility criteria? So the government encouraged um, the expansion of the methadone uh, maintenance program as well as buprenorphine uh, maintenance. And um, over the past 10, 20 years, 20 years, as I mentioned earlier, the treatment options have been expanded rapidly. Thanks to that, the compulsory uh, detoxification treatment have been shrinking substantially as well uh, in parallel. And... Uh, so uh, I think that the, the currently the compulsory treatment is required for people who fail in methadone, uh, and and I think that that's very substantial uh, progress that have been been achieved in Vietnam. So in your trial, um, participants either received um, integrated care, so they received the buprenorphine with naloxone and um, alongside their HIV care, or they were referred for the methadone uh, methadone maintenance therapy. So what are the advantages of, of integrating um, opioid use disorder and HIV treatment programs? Thank you, Philippa. This is Todd uh, in Portland, Oregon. I, I think the main advantage is uh, greater efficiency in healthcare delivery, as well as patient convenience, one-stop shopping for integrated care. Uh, but to make sure that uh, this was in line with people's desires, we conducted a preliminary study of over 300 people in HIV clinics and asked them about their preference for integrated care. And 81% of people in that study indicated that they preferred to receive treatment for opioid use disorder and HIV in the same place. Notably, that, that leaves about 20% who preferred the opposite. So I think having multiple options of treatment is uh, the way to go. Uh, but this, this trial at least demonstrates uh, moving forward that, um, that integrated care uh, can be done. And as Dr. Zhang said, uh, becomes a model for uh, scale up and uh, buprenorphine treatment guidelines uh, in the rest of Vietnam. And so I wondered if you wanted to give kind of a, a brief overview of the, the, the main findings from your study, um, but also, you know, if there were any challenges or difficulties you faced when conducting it, things that you perhaps weren't expecting. Uh, the main findings of the study were that the primary outcome of HIV viral suppression was not, not inferior compared among people who were receiving integrated buprenorphine care versus referral to methadone maintenance therapy. And that was primarily driven by uh, a difference in uh, treatment outcomes. Uh, the same was true with uh, suboptimal opioid use disorder outcomes among people receiving the integrated buprenorphine arm compared with methadone. Uh, and again, this was driven primarily by uh, retention on buprenorphine. So uh, I think that one of the key findings that this highlights is that even though buprenorphine is a powerful tool to add to our treatment tool chest, uh, we need to think about 
implementation strategies and support strategies that will improve people's ability to continue on buprenorphine. Uh, so, so in terms of the um, challenges, uh, I, I could um, discuss a, a couple of issues. Um, one is uh, Dr. Cortez mentioned that that the the, the novel I mean, the strategy of the study uh, is the approach of the study is to integrate in integrated care of, of uh, HIV and opioid use disorder treatment, but that's also posed the uh, one of the key challenges for the study, uh, because of the uh, the way in which the uh, two treatment system in Vietnam have uh, uh, have been uh, structured in, uh, quite separately, the uh, HIV treatment uh, in uh, one size and the other one is the addiction treatment. Therefore, the HIV staff they are not used to to provide the kind of support, the kind of counseling. Uh, the kind of uh, uh, other type of support that people uh, that are uh, necessary for opioid use disorder treatment, and therefore that that uh, could explain the why the dropout in the buprenorphine uh, uh, group is higher than in the methadone group, which has much um, uh, rigid structure and also support system that have been there in in the first place. The second uh, challenge that we also faced was with the still the the issue around stigma, uh, and here and also the in related to that is the kind of expectation of society in terms of addiction treatment. Uh, stigma here, uh, I, uh, what I mentioned on this, the is stigma against drug use and also especially in in against HIV. We have um, cases in which patients who are very reluctant to enroll in in treatment on buprenorphine because they have to 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 uh, also get treatment for HIV as well, and and that's something they they, um, they are very reluctant to to do. In terms of the expectation of the society, um, people uh, expect that um, that uh, once you are in treatment, you would uh, give up the drug completely. Uh, and that's that's that would never be the case, as we understand that that uh, addiction is a brain disease, so people have um, uh, relapse, right? And therefore, the um, in many of the cases, uh, our patient left the treatment, left the opioid uh, disorder treatment, and then relapse into drug use, and that's particularly uh, problematic for people who don't in in the buprenorphine wing where they don't have a a good support from from the clinical staff. So, so uh, those are the issues that we uh, face during the implementation of the study. But also, uh, we learn a lot from that uh, for our future future studies. So it sounds like you know there are some some obvious steps that um, you could take to improve retention. So um, obviously, as the staff kind of gain experience and perhaps more training in in how to support the the patients. But I mean. Are there any other things you'd, you'd really like to see happening to improve retention, but also, as you've highlighted, you know, the importance of all these different treatment options, kind of continuing to expand the access to care and the options? And what, what would you like to see the future looking like? I, I think one of the things that I was very impressed with 
is the very tight social fabric in Vietnam uh, coming from a Western country to Vietnam uh, is it's impossible not to be uh, really quite impressed and overwhelmed with uh, the the role of the family, the role of the neighborhood, the role of the community in every aspect of life, including healthcare. So one of the things that we're excited about is potentially thinking about interventions to link with those small communities and families to improve retention and, and decrease stigma around treatment of both opioid use disorder and also HIV. Uh, yes, I think that that's a very um, important, uh, also another important lesson that we learned from, from our study. And uh, I think that also um, we would like to explore further the more flexible option in terms of movement of fintech home, uh, and and maybe buprenorphine integrated into uh, other type of healthcare settings, not just HIV, but also general healthcare setting, so that patients don't they receive HIV treatment. I mean, they receive the uh, so they don't when they are enrolled in in, uh, uh, in in opioid disorder treatment, they don't have uh, they don't fear that they are perceived as HIV positive. So I think that, that the more option uh, for patients is, is very also very important to, to return them in, in care. Well, thank you once again both for joining me today. And thank you too for listening. And if you're interested in the treatment of opioid use disorders in people living with HIV, you might be interested in a trial that we published in February issue from last year, which was looking at um, expanding opioid agonist therapies in Ukraine. So thank you once again for joining us and we hope you'll be back next month and we'll continue the conversation.